Do you just cry when you sit with the papers Thinking about what it's like and take away from us We're on a course for a head-on collision Scientists said this is what we've been missing Sorry that research is not for submission Friend Roger's dead and we'll be the one to listen Can't take the heat, now the planet is your kitchen She's like you're stuck in a contest of pissing Time to trade in Congress for a new edition Welcome to St. Pete's Pearls. Today is April 14th. It's a Tuesday. And of all the shows that I have out there, um, this is going to be another one. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I put these together every weekday, mainly to just try to um, spark conversation or thoughts and ideas for you guys out there. Uh, here, here's something to think about. We're, we know we're a divided country now politically, and for whatever reason, we think it's propaganda on the left and on the right. I, I was digging through some old textbooks, and I came across a my persuasion textbook. You know, I went in my bachelor degree. I went for communications, taking debate, persuasion classes, and all that. And in classes like that, you learn. Concepts and tactics that help you skillfully, I guess, manipulate people, for lack of a better term. Um, And I would never do so illfully, but some people do. And we we understand that. That's what, like, marketing firms and PR firms are all about, is manipulating people to do a certain thing, right? And we all have this idea of propaganda, right? We've all heard of propaganda. But the way kind of communication works is that it's not solid. It's not etched in stone. You know, we think it is because we created this thing called the dictionary. And we think that everything said is kind of etched in stone. But that's not true. That's not the way communication truly works within, between humans, right? I talked about this in one of my other podcasts, uh, I think the one with cognitive biases, a few of them, right? I brought it up a few times. But communication is the process of creating shared meaning, right? So that's a continual process. So every time we talk about a thing, the meaning kind of changes. And now in this world of connectivity, the way we have it, the internet, we're always on. Social media is always going, direct messages. Uh, mass media looks a lot different. It's much more personalized and, and curated that way. So the ideas uh, or these ideas of 
propaganda, mass media, and communication, like, those have shifted, even though we think they haven't. Like, oh, it's only when I watch the news I'm indoctrinated. No, well, the landscape changing kind of shifts uh, those definitions a little bit. Again, smarter people than I have thought this over, and this came from my textbook. It's kind of like a definition of of propaganda and a new take on it. And this is and this was a new take back in like 1991. Propaganda was originally defined as dissemination of biased ideas and opinions, often through the use of lies and deception. The word propaganda has since evolved to mean mass suggestion or influence through the manipulation of symbols and the psychology of the individual. Propaganda is the communication of a point of view with the ultimate goal of having the recipient come to voluntarily, in quotations, accept the position as if it was his or her own. And I see that in daily conversations. I don't try to get into these political conversations anymore in my day-to-day life. I will if I'm sucked in, right? And I get easily sucked in because I was sucked into the to the news stream for the longest time but what i noticed when i kind of put that put that down or right when i stopped watching that and i kind of changed the way i was talking that i used to talk in those terms like i thought i I came to these conclusions but i was just parroting stuff that like maybe rachel maddow said what what is his name don lennon uh something like i would just parrot things i would hear like that i thought were clever that Bill Maher said on his show. And I see the same thing, right? And then the arguments that come back to me, if I'm in an argument with somebody, it's the same argument that they heard from Sean Hannity the night before, and then we've just mimicked that argument, right? But when we do, so when we start having these conversations, like when we take the conversation, that point of view that we got from the TV, Right, and then we apply that to our daily lives, or however, right? And this argument now that we've said it, kind of, it entrenches us into that viewpoint, though not maybe necessarily our own, but we feel it is, and like, oh, I came up with this on my own, and that entrenches you, and that sets you into to your, kind of grounds you with your anchor point, right, where you're willing to work from, and we have to be mindful of that when we're engaging in conversations, that people are set in whatever point they are, but it might not necessarily be their own point. So we have to find a way to skillfully uh, navigate that land. And hopefully I give you ideas on how to do that. And I will continue to give you examples through, through stories throughout this podcast. So keep tuning in and I hope you enjoy. We're going we're gonna to have a reading from Leo Tolstoy uh, coming up next. So enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, our reading today, April 14th, come from, comes from Leo Tolstoy's A Calendar of Wisdom. It wasn't always called that. Leo Tolstoy compiled this book uh, over the years, right? He, he drew upon a lot of writings, readings, uh, passages, aphorisms, wisdom, knowledge, however you want to look at it, over the years. And he, he pulled from, like I said, religious philosophy. He made up his own anecdotes and compiled his own ideas, and worked them into this calendar of wisdom. It's like a daily reader, kind of like the John C. Maxwell, but kind of more along the moral lines. John C. Maxwell is very focused in leadership as it usually relates to organizations. 
this one, this book, as I read it, I'm into April. I just got it this past December, so I haven't gone through the whole thing yet. But as I'm reading it, it's kind of more in the vein of morals or something, right? So, anyways, April 14th is, uh, he, he starts with his own commentary, and then he uses a couple of others' quotes. He says, We cannot hope to obtain any sort of perfection in a society which is divided into two parts, rich people who rule the world and poor people who obey their orders. I think this is kind of the sign of our times right now, right? It probably it is, always has been, right? It's, again, you know, coming to the peak. We, this quote here is from Thomas Carlyle. He was a British historian and journalist. He says, We came to strange conclusions in this world. We say we live in a society, but at the same time we live lonely lives. Very true, especially globally where we're all on this COVID lockdown. But even before that, we, you know, this probably rings true. And like, you know, how Tolstoy kind of struck a nerve, right? We see that that power structure, the, those who rule the rich and the poor, right? It's coming to a peak, right? We see that separation again, right? There have been times in history, you know, that's where to get the idea. But again, that thing's coming to a peak, and I think we're now at a peak in this society and lonely lives. You know, our phones brought us, drew us apart from one another. Our politics bring us apart from one another. My family has separated over politics. Brothers and sisters won't talk. It's sad. Um, so we were living lonely lives, and even I guess even more so now that we're kind of locked down. That, yeah, sign of the times. So Henry George, he is an uh, American scholar, reformer, and economist. He says, if there are millionaires, there should be paupers. Right? It's got to come from somewhere. And he was a reformer. Uh, here's an idea for any of my creative friends out there. You could, could redo that informer song to reformer. Reformer. You know, we want some change we want to know, and we want our vote to count. There's something to get you going. Uh, you finish the rest of the song. Uh, and this next one is from, I hope I'm getting this right. He is a Jewish uh, scholar, right? Jewish religious scholar. Maimonides. If you have an income without working hard, then someone worked hard without receiving an income. Yeah, Walmart, Amazon, they display that very well. We see that very clearly there. And then Tolstoy finishes off that, It is worse to be an oppressive master than an obedient slave. Excessive wealth is worse than poverty. That was your daily reading from Leo Tolstoy's A Calendar of Wisdom. And again, the reason I do a daily reading is so it can highlight examples of, you know, good leadership qualities and moral character that we can look for, you know, to see if we're displaying ourselves. I don't display these things all the time. Some of them I never display or haven't yet. Some of them I do a better job at. And good job on me for that. And good job on you if these resonate. Be like, oh yeah, I do this all the time. Then awesome. Now start encouraging others to display these same characteristics, right? And also when we consider, you know, 
who we have represent us, right, and people in leadership positions, do they display these characteristics, these qualities? If not, why not? And how do we fix that? How do we get them out or how do we get them up to speed? Maybe they would like to but have lost you know, their way. Money's very corrupting. Power is very corrupting. So when people get a little bit of it, they get easily swayed other ways. So how do we get them back recentered, recalibrated to to the examples we show in these daily readings here? I like to give it unfiltered from those sources. Uh, so you can't just brush me off. That's not me saying it. I'm reading these characteristics from people probably much more well-read than I. Anyways, that was your daily reading for today, April 14th. All right. Well, today is a Tuesday, and Tuesday is usually a poet flow night at the Lighthouse Lounge with uh, my lovely friends. And due to lockdown, we don't get to meet up at the... Lighthouse Lounge for poetry anymore. We do so online now, virtually. So if you were involved in any group where you had met up before, um, s- sign into Zoom, Facebook Live. You can you can do these things still virtually. Right? It's, trust me, I know. It's not as fun when you're with your friends at a place, right? And hopefully we can get back to something resembling that sooner than later. But in the meantime, if you did have groups that you regularly attended, uh, I'm sure you're probably already considered if you already haven't pushed them online. Uh, if not, consider trying it. It's, we enjoy it, right? It still creates that connection. We still get a lot. We get a lot accomplished. We still get writing done. We have some good conversation and. You know, we share time with each other. That's what it was all about. So today is Tuesday. Um, We'll probably be meeting up online tonight. Poet Flow, get on that page if you're interested in checking it out. We had a newcomer last week. And yeah, so if poetry is something that you're interested in, you can take part. You do not have to read. You don't even have to write. We encourage it. It's usually a, we have a, uh, we go through a card a deck of cards for prompts to get you just to write however it comes out of you. And then you can choose to share at the end or not, or just hang around to listen or tune out whenever you want. So check out Poet Flow uh, on Facebook. Like I said, I'm not good on the other social media, so I don't know how to find them on there. But since it is poetry, actually, uh, another friend of mine had sent me on Facebook a, a poem today called... Pity the Nation. This is by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. And I hope I'm saying that right. It goes like this. It says, Pity the nation whose people are sheep and whose shepherds mislead them. Pity the nation whose leaders are liars, whose sages are silenced, and whose bigots haunt the airwaves. Pity the nation that raises not its voice except to praise conquerors and acclaim the bully as hero and aims to rule the world by force and by torture. Pity the nation that knows no other language but its own and no other culture but its own. Pity the nation whose breath is money and sleeps the sleep of the too well-fed. Pity the nation, oh, pity the people who allow their rights to erode 
in their freedoms to be washed away. My country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty. And this is so that sentiment right there is why I do the reading, right? This is kind of like a reflection. This is a poem. This is this guy's take on the country. And it's not only him who feels this way. It's not only Lawrence. I feel this way. I'll share a poem that I wrote on one of our poet nights, our poetry night. And actually, I titled my poem, My Nation Tears of Thee, Olfactory Fatigued to a Carbon-Dependent Civilization, Seeing Pristine in Imagination and Artist Renditions, Indeed a Human Stain. Gaia cries through the children of today as the flora and fauna fade away. Leaders' morals, a dried and barren landscape, a landscape only the collective tears of a nation can fertilize. And I'm sure you have your own thoughts that resemble, um, like I said, the sentiment in, in these poems, or, right, or you see the gulf from our daily readings to uh, what is practiced by our own leaders and representatives. We need to consider these and look at these honestly if we're to make any progress changing them and going forward. I see a lot that we're talking about as a nation now and as a global community. It's going to look a lot different on the other side of this COVID-19. I've brought that up. You know, I brought it up because it's being brought up. right? But what is our part going to be in that? in shaping what it looks like going forward. Are we going to stop the bigots who haunt the airwaves? Are we going to silence them? We give credence to their ideas, their voice, this ugliness every time we tune in, even if we're tuning in just to, you know, say we don't like that. <laughs> right? You still bought a ticket to the show. You're still helping them out. Um, whether it's through their you know, propaganda or suggestion techniques, right? Mere exposure effect, M-E-R-E, -E, look that up. The more you come across an idea, anything, like the more favorable your brain finds it because it can recall it easier. Your brain's lazy. That's, that's the, whole, the whole thing of it is that your brain is the laziest organ on the planet because right? it's processing so much, right? That it wants to make shortcuts, so it looks for opportunities like that. So, yeah, if I see this message a bunch, right, it's got to be good because I'm still around. So, it favors that, right? Mere exposure effect. Look that up. So, so being Tuesday, I shared a couple poems. Um, poems don't aren't always the prettiest things, but they do raise uh, good points. And look for your group. Uh, it doesn't have to be poetry. However, that's you know how I help find a little peace in my day, kind of get this stuff out, process these feelings, these emotions, these thoughts. I do it through poetry and through the storytelling. It is not everybody's avenue, so find the thing that connects to you. I had a roommate who played the guitar, right? And he would just kind of get lost in the guitar for hours and hours on end. It seemed to bring him kind of peace and solace and kind of connected with himself. And he was a better artist because of it. He was more interesting and, and all of that. And he enjoyed himself more because he could do that. So find the thing that helps you connect 
to yourself and process some of these emotions, whether it is through music, poetry, arts, or just the work that you do. Like we said yesterday, take uh, find those opportunities to to share the things you're good at. If it's your work or if it's a skill you like, uh, how can you strengthen your family or the community around you with it? Okay. And to finish up our show for today, again on our sustainability, on our sustainability note on why and uh, we need to come together and maybe how, right? The big why and how is a big question, right? A little bit at a time, like we talk about. And I think today's message kind of focuses more on the why. And this is from Pope Francis. Uh, I'm not a, I was born or born Catholic, I guess, or made Catholic after I was born, born into a Catholic family, but I left that behind in my youth, right? Kind of carried along, but it still, I, I don't shy away from any religion, right? I'm not opposed if it has a good message. If I can pull something good out of it, right? If you try to send me on a crusade to go kill a million other people just because they looked a certain way or believed a certain thing, no, you don't get my buy-in for that, right? If you're using religion that way, but if, if you have some good lessons to teach me or right, make my character a little bit better, a little more reflective in like the things that we read daily, then, then great, I'll... You know, I'll take what's useful from it and apply that. And I think that's Pope Francis's kind of mentality. Actually, when I listened to uh, his his encyclical, Vedato Si, Our Common Home, it's actually free on Audible. If you have an Audible account, I know it's free on Audible because that's where I got it and listened to it. It's great. Uh, he actually sounds more Buddhist than he does Catholic, right? My or or from what my idea of a Catholic and my idea of a Buddhist would be, right? He kind of sounds more that way. And I like this passage that comes from I got. I'm taking this from Drawdown, which is a a book we've talked about before. It was edited by Paul Hawk. It has an example of a hundred ways that we can start to draw down. Uh, the CO2 and kind of reverse some of the climate change that humans have caused, right? And at the end of the book, there was kind of like a synopsis of what on a care for our common home from Pope Francis was, the Ladado Sea. It kind of, what I like is a lot of it summed up in this. The natural environment is a collective good, the patrimony of all humanity and the responsibility of everyone. If we make something our own, it is only to administer it for the good of all, if we do not, we burden our conscience with the weight of having denied the existence of others. And that just kind of gets to the point, are, you know, are the people who are in charge of the common good, right? These people in leadership positions, are they administering everything for the good of all? It doesn't seem it when we segregate people, when we shame people, when we say it's us versus them. That's not the all that I'm picturing, right? I hope, I hope me sharing these things, like I said, sparks uh, an idea or kind of gives you an example of what to look for 
in your daily life and how to display these as you carry on about your day. I hope you again enjoyed today, April 14th, Tuesday. And until tomorrow. And before I let you go today, I just want a quick reminder out there that uh, my stepbrother Dan, he does have a connection to PPE that is like hospital protective gowns, uh, face masks. They have reusable, disposable one. He has a connection to where he can hook up any hospital or medical care frontline facility or business that is able to commit to some kind of contract. It's one of those businesses we discussed in an earlier episode that has pivoted in the textile industry from making you know, sports equipment to now PPE, but to keep that business going, they do need a contract. Anyways, you, you can reach out to me, nextstepsustainability.com. I can put you, or at Gmail, nextstepsustainability at Gmail is the email. Uh, I can put you in contact with him if you can make that connection in your community. Otherwise, we want to remind you to swap out your gas-powered lawnmowers for electric lawnmowers. If you can, make that switch this year. Help the air quality in your uh, neck of the woods. And what else? Oh, uh, check out a couple episodes again. We had Anna Cash. She has a canning tutorial, show you how to can your own fruits and vegetables. We have that in an earlier episode. We showed an example how other people in their communities have stepped up, whether people are offering to shop for their neighbors because they're already out in the grocery stores and why make unnecessary trips. Um, I was talking about tuning up my bicycle. I didn't get to it yesterday. I went outside. It was a lot chillier than I had anticipated, and I wasn't going to ride it yesterday, so I just took the dogs for uh, a walk through the park anyways. Get outside more. Get into gardening, whatever it is. Uh, If you've been listening, you've heard all that before. If you're just tuning in now, these are some of the ideas that we bring up to help you spend your time more constructively in this time of coronavirus, COVID, outbreak, lockdown, quarantine. Whatever we're going through right now, it's different. We need to find constructive ways to spend our time. I tried to highlight those during this podcast. So if you're just tuning in now, please go check out my older episodes or keep tuning in. We'll keep sharing ideas. And if you have any ideas for the community, feel free to shoot them over to me. Next step, sustainability at gmail.com. Shoot me an MP3 if you have a message, if you have a skill, if you're showing, uh, if you're putting on an event online and you want to get that out to the to the community here that we're building around this podcast, share it with me, send it to that email. Uh, if you have the Anchor FM app, we can actually have conversations. Just shoot me an email, let me know you have it. I'll send you an invite. Uh, we, we can have a discussion if, if you're into that. So um, until tomorrow. <laughs>